Many times in the epistles of the New Testament, we see the phrase grace and peace, and uh, we've heard that taught on before. Grace and peace extended to us by the authors of the New Testament from heaven. Of course, it's by grace that we are saved through faith, and then we're able to receive God's peace. That is the Lord's intention for every believer. We get to see a little bit of what that peace is all about and how we receive it in our text this morning. And it's uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Here's how they read. Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Like we've seen before in this letter, Paul is giving us not only specific commands, but he's giving them an incredibly pointed and dramatic language. He says, be anxious for nothing. Be in prayer in everything. It's plain language, but it is absolute language as well. And again and again, we're seeing that it's up to us whether we're going to live the Christian life in the way that God intends or whether we're going to settle for something less where we hold back parts of our lives to be self-governed and therefore miss out on what the Lord wants for us. And so this morning our attention will be focused on the believer's thought, life, and communion with God. How exactly are we supposed to deal with the situations we find ourselves in? And what place does the Lord have in the midst of them? Because we know that this world is a mess. You know, we just spent like 15 minutes reading about a tiny cross-section of the unending problems faced by mankind because of sin. And truth be told, the world is a very scary and difficult place to live. And we are the ones that made it this way. Our sin has brought the world into the state that we read about every Wednesday morning. Uh, the good news is that God wants to do something about that. You know, He hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't uh, let go of our lives for us to stumble around on our own. He's not a clockmaker God. Uh, he made everything, but then He continues to be involved and He has a plan to redeem what has gone so terribly wrong because of us. Instead, the Lord's intention is to save us from sin, uh, the sin that is around us and the sin that is within us. And so because of that, our lives should be very radically changed. And so the text opens up and says this, Be anxious for nothing. Anxious there can mean a few different things to us. Certainly the most common emotions that we tie to it are things like worry or fear or stress. We look within our own lives and see a difficult situation or some discouragement or some issue. Or perhaps we look around at the world around us and, and we start feeling overwhelmed by uh, the tragedy and the difficulty that we see. We feel this terrible pressure and anxiety about a particular struggle or decision or opposition facing us. And so uh, that, 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 kind of, that kind of anxiousness and that kind of stress and worry. Now there's a very practical problem that is caused by worry and stress and it is death. You know, <laughs> Studies show that uh, stress uh, actually... Um, takes a physical toll on our bodies and, uh, and, and it actually uh, shortens our lifespan. It takes a toll on our relationships as well. As we worry, it eats away at our marriages and our parenting and our friendships. It's one of those dest destructive byproducts of sin. And so obviously the Lord wants to deal with that. And so for good reason, we are commanded by God in the Bible to not worry. And um, it's kind of one of those 
it's one of those very difficult commandments, I think, for most of us. I mean, I understand when the Lord says, don't, don't murder. <laughs> I command you not to murder. I command you not to do some of these things. But then the Lord comes and he looks within your heart and he says, and, and also don't worry. Stop being anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Of course, Jesus commanded it very clearly. And here we receive that command again. We are, not, we are to be anxious for nothing. Uh, and that is a, uh, that's a difficult thing for me to kind of wrap my mind around. Not for little things, not for big things, not anything, the Bible says. You should be anxious for nothing. That is what God is calling his people to. Uh, but anxious doesn't just mean stress or fear. I think it also can mean a lack of patience. You know, you're anxious for something in, in the timing of it. Maybe we're not full of fear about a particular issue or a concern, uh, but perhaps we're a little bit anxious about the plan of God. Maybe we're a little worried that he's forgotten to move us forward to where we think we need to be, and this certainly happens a lot as well. Uh, we have some wonderful examples of this in the Bible. Of course, the most famous would be Abraham and Sarah. Uh, they had this relationship with God who had revealed himself to them. Uh, God had made promises to them about a son and children and this plan that he had for their life and this place that he was bringing them to. But things didn't seem to be falling into place all that fast from their perspective. And they became anxious about the plan of God. They became anxious about the will of God. And so in a fit of impatience, uh, they tried to jumpstart the Lord and went about it uh, their own way, their human way. And of course the result was Ishmael. And the consequences for that anxious act continue today. We read about some of those consequences this morning. Uh, so we have this world around us that you know, has all of these pressures and all of these difficulties and all of these terrible things happening. And we have individual difficulties and discouragements and situations in our lives which can cause stress on our hearts. And then we're commanded not to worry. We're also given a calling and a plan from God who instructs us to wait on His timing. And sometimes he asks us to wait a day, and then sometimes as we look into the scriptures, he asks us to wait decades. Uh, and still, in that situation, God says, be anxious for nothing. We are to be anxious in nothing, Paul says. However, you know, this is a very difficult struggle for us. We do encounter difficult situations in life. We do encounter things that are frightening or perplexing. And so there has to be an alternative to our natural response of anxiety or anxiousness. Uh, the alternative is given by Paul in the very next phrase where he says this. Instead of being anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The alternative to worry is to pray and to communicate with God. In every situation, in every decision, in every discouragement, we are called, as God's people, to intimate biblical prayer. Uh, the idea is not that every time we read an email or every time we open a cabinet or every time we think a new thought, we're supposed to stop and do some sort of formal ritualistic prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Okay? The, in fact, Jesus threw out the idea of ritualistic prayer when he delivered the, 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 what we call the Lord's Prayer. His disciples came and said, hey, well, all these other Pharisees and the disciples of John and all these people, they have these great prayers where... You know, they can feel so holy afterwards. And so teach us, you know, what the best way to ritualistically pray is. And Jesus just completely shattered that. And he delivered to them something that was personal and intimate and, and not formal. And so the idea is not that 
in everything we're supposed to stop and get on our knees and do a prayer, take another step, stop, get on our knees, do another prayer, get a text message, stop, get on our knees, do another prayer. The idea is that God is getting at is just talk to me. Just talk to me. Just be with me. Open up your life and, and in everything communicate with Christ moment by moment. I think sometimes we get into a mindset where prayer is almost like tech support. Okay, and uh, uh, and you know I, I think this is something I certainly fall into from time to time. You know, we have some sort of situation occurring, or we have some sort of unusual error that we need some help with, and so it's as if we put in a trouble ticket up into heaven, into the heavenly call center, and we hope that we get the right answer to solve the issue, so that our account is the way that we want it to be. And then once it's done, we you know hang up and go about our regular lives until we need a, another you know uh, tech support issue. But prayer isn't like that. That's not how prayer is is revealed to us in the Bible. Prayer isn't like that because God number one is not a vending machine, and number two, He's not distant from us. In fact, the Lord has gone to incredible lengths to actually dwell within us. The third person of the Trinity is within His people. I don't know how that works, but the Lord has gone to great lengths to take his omnipotence and and place it within us. The third person of the of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I will, you know, go and do this. I will go and live within the the hearts and the lives of of the people of the Lord. Paul said in the book of Acts, as he was teaching this, he says in him, we live and move and have our being again, very absolute language, very pointed language. And so we understand that right now, at this very moment, God Almighty is holding together the very atoms of our existence, the atoms of our bodies, by His grace and by His power. And then on top of that, He is actually with us, He says. He's indwelling us and empowering us. Not just through some vague force or through some vague you know, strength, but as a person. A person is with us. Just as, you know, if you're driving down the road with your, you know, with your wife or your family and they're sitting in the seat next to you, they're with you. But even more than that, the Lord says, okay, I'm holding your very atoms together, but then also the third person of the Trinity is somehow living within you, a real person. Not a force, not just some idea, but, but a real person is, is within you and, and, and with you as you walk through this life. And so when we think about it this way, how could we not continually communicate with God throughout our day, sharing our thoughts and our concerns with our Savior and our Creator. You know, when we look at that and we realize what God has done and realize how He has constructed the relationship between God and man, we, you know, we should be left thinking, man, how can I not live in this full communion and full abandon to the Lord? Yet this is a struggle that we each face in life because we are imperfect, not perfected yet, and because we have a free will and because there are these stresses around us that seek to draw us away from the Lord. We sometimes fall into a worried or an anxious thought life. And the reason is because we stop trusting God in those moments. Whether we're doing it willfully or not, we, we stop trusting Him. We worry because we start thinking of God as distant from us. That He's up outside of the universe somewhere and He might be you know, uh, not really mindful of what's happening in my life. We worry because we start thinking that he's not quite sure God knows what's going on in our families or at our jobs or in some particular situation where we're struggling. We're not quite sure God knows what's best for our five-year plan after all. And maybe if I just did this over here, that would get me a jump start. And yeah, it's not the best thing for me to do, but it'll get me to that point where I want to be. And you know, doesn't the Lord want me to be happy? So I'll just compromise over here and do it. And it's that 
anxiousness, that anxiousness and worry and that uh, compromise and that giving in. Um, we're not quite sure God is going to respond in time to that service request we've sent in. Uh, but when we give in to that kind of mindset, when we start thinking of God as distant, then we're getting it all wrong. Because God intends, according to his word, God intends a supernatural filling and connection for us every moment of every day. And life isn't meant to be lived with occasional or sporadic contact with Christ. It's meant to be lived in continual unity with him where we understand that, yeah, whether I am high or low, whether I'm here or there, you know, I'm with Christ. It, you know, there are a few people in the Bible who we see demonstrating this and articulating this that they kind of got it. Guys like David who say, man, if I was at the depth of the sea, you're there. If I was on the highest mountaintop, you were there. And he started to kind of just, in, even in his imperfect humanity, kind of grab hold of this idea that, yeah, the Lord is with me. He's not distant from me. He's not up in heaven somewhere and then, you know, from time to time looks and takes a look at the, you know, the brief on what's going on in my life. The Lord says, no, 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 I'm with you because I'm numbering your hairs. I'm holding your atoms together and I've sent the Holy Spirit to be with you and indwell you and to speak to you and do of all of these things. That is God's intention, this continual supernatural filling and connection for us with heaven. I mean, look at verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And so God doesn't just exist in heaven watching our lives unfold. He, and that is kind of how it is depicted in, you know, in, you know, often in movies or stories or television and things like that. And it's because man, we're finite and it's very, very hard to even start trying to think about the eternity of God and his ability to simultaneously be eternal yet have you know his holy spirit indwelling our hearts but also doing work i mean we can't wrap ourselves around that and so as we depict god in storytelling we depict him as in one place and we are in one place and he has certain powers and abilities but he looks down and says oh wait this is happening so let's see what i can do to counteract that or here's see what i can do to you know do this this or this and we kind of make god in our uh, cultural understanding, more like the Greek gods, where they're really just superhuman, where they just they have certain abilities and they have certain desires, but essentially they're just superheroes. And, and we do this all the time. That's why we have comic books, because we like doing things like that. And the Lord in his word has revealed something completely different, where he says, no, 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 no. No, I, I, I am eternal, yet I have decided to come to you and hold you together and to speak to you and to give my Holy Spirit to be with you moment by moment. So God doesn't just exist in heaven. He doesn't just watch our lives unfold. He has decided to condescend to us and send his Holy Spirit to live within us day in and day out. And so God isn't far from us and prayer isn't just a radio system that we use to send a communique to him. It's not like we're trucking through life and from time to time we get on the CB and hope that God picks up when we need a specific direction as to where we're going. That's not it at all. Instead, God says, man, you are one of my children. And my intention is to give you a supernatural filling and a direct connection and access to me and an access to heaven in every moment and situation of life. And so if we go away from that knowledge, if we see what God has done and how he's constructed this relationship with us, if we go away from that and think, that's okay, I'll just take you up on that the next time I'm in a jam. 
You know, I'll just, you know, I'd rather go back to the trouble ticket system where I kind of live independent of you and then if I need something, you know, I kind of go to the heavenly vending machine and hope that you pay out what I'm, what I'm looking for. If that's how we go away from this knowledge, then there's something very wrong in how we view our relationship with Christ. Because he intends for us this peace that we often talk about in the church. And, you know, we talk a lot about the peace that passes all understanding, and it comes here from this verse. Remember, grace and peace, grace and peace are always offered to God's people in the epistles. And this peace is obviously very incredible. Uh, there's two things that we kind of can pull from this when it says peace that passes all understanding. The first is that it cannot be duplicated by our own invention or by our own uh, effort. You know, this is peace that is beyond human peace. So, you know, God looks at us and he says, I see this situation in your life or I see this you know, this certain issue that, that is causing you trouble, that is wearing on your soul, and I'm offering you peace for that situation that cannot be duplicated. You cannot achieve it on your own. Um, we cannot discover that peace apart from the Lord. And then the other side of it, obviously, is that this peace can't even really be described, the Bible says. In fact, the only way to really see this kind of peace in action, to me, is to look into the Old Testament and see three young Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, calmly, joyfully walking around in a fiery Babylonian death chamber. This is, that's the kind of peace that we're talking about where they said, yeah, I'm content with my relationship with God. I'm content with who God is and his control over my life. So if you want to put me in a death chamber... That's fine. I'm going to smile as I go in. I'm going to walk around in there, and I'm in there, and I'm just going to kind of walk around and see, check out the inside walls of this thing and see how they've constructed it and just be kind of like hanging out. And, oh, there's the Lord. He's walking around with us. Great. You know, that's the kind of peace we're talking about. That's the kind of mind and heart that God wants for each and every moment, for each and every one of his people here on the earth. And so the question is, how do we get it? The world isn't going to get any rosier. You know, there's still going to be stresses and there's still going to be difficulties out there for us. And we are still going to be imperfect vessels that the Lord is, Lord is completing a work through. So how do I grab hold of the kind of life that God is describing here? If God says, hey, this is really what I intend for my people. Okay, well, then how do I grab hold of that since that seems to be something that we struggle with? It's very simple. Heavenly peace comes through knowing God and trusting him. Because when we stop trusting God, that's when we start to give in to anxiety. Because we cannot duplicate the peace of God on our own. That's when we start worrying. And it's then that we leave the security of God's protection and try to fend off the foes of life on our own. Uh, it's like in every battle movie ever, where you know the, the battle lines are drawn and, and the enemy forces lined up in all of their you know, fury and all of their might. And one guy, what happens? One guy always breaks rank, right? He, he just snaps, he freaks out, he doesn't think they're going to make it, and so he makes a break for it by himself. And two seconds later, that guy's always dead. This is the picture that we're kind of given in this text. God is saying, you know, my peace is going to guard your heart. My intention for you is that we be in communication and be together in this life, and I will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And so he's offering us his protection and his calm and his wisdom to us. The same God who gave up his own son to die on a cross while you and I were still sinners. The same God who knew us from before the foundations of the earth and intends good things for us. That same God who has no problem stopping the sun in the sky or sending angels to intervene on our behalf if that's what his will is. That is 
the God who has revealed himself to us. But we have to choose to trust him and accept him and submit to his will for our lives. We have to accept his will for our day-to-day living. And we discover his will for our lives by communicating with him. That's how we discover more of who God is and, and what he wants for us. It's by talking with him and communicating with him. And of course, he's spoken to us a great deal in his word. He's done a lot of talking to us already. And he is readily waiting to speak with us continually through prayer. We're not left with the Bible alone. He says, okay, I'm giving you the Bible and I'm giving you the opportunity and ability to communicate with me in real time. We've seen that the world is a dangerous and scary place. We're going to come into situations where we don't know what to do. And quite frankly, we're going to be distressed and afraid. Just read the Psalms and we discover that that is common for Christian living. But it's in this place of distress where God says, I don't want you to stay afraid. Okay, so bring this to me. I want you to come and give me that situation and give me that fear and let me deal with it because I've conquered it. I want you to have supernatural confidence in how much I love you and what an incredible plan I have for you. That I'm the one giving you breath each day. I'm the one pumping your heart right now. I'm the one holding your atoms together. That is God's intention for us. And how we respond to God's revelation is going to determine the kind of fullness that we have in Him as His people. So we're not meant to be silent in this life before God. We're not meant to hide away all of our thoughts The Lord wants us to make requests to him. This verse says that very plainly. He wants us to share our thoughts and our decisions with him. But as we're talking with the Lord, um, since we, you know, are living a life of faith, we need to remember who God is and what he has done for us. Because we can kind of look around and say, man, Lord, where are you? Where is your coming? Where, you know, what about all these things going on? And the Lord says, okay, as you communicate with me, Bring it with thanksgiving, meaning remember what I've done for you. Remember how much I love you. Remember what I still want to do through you because that is going to shape the way that we communicate with God. If we understand his greatness and our smallness, if we understand what the Lord gave to save us and how greatly he has pursued your life and my life individually, if we understand that he has specific values and priorities and that he is returning very soon, then of course we're going to have a completely different mindset and a completely different attitude of heart than simply someone in the world who is worried about the economy or some other temporal issue like that. And this is the calling for all of us, not a select few, not gold club member Christians. This is God's intention for each one of his people, that we live life with supernatural filling and an intimate connection to heaven through the Holy Spirit. Not making God a part of our life, but instead living and moving and having our being in him, fully abandoned to the Lord. And so walking in the Spirit means choosing not to worry about dangers or difficulties or discouragements around us. And instead it means giving those things to God and saying, I trust you. I trust you because I know you. And I know you because I've seen how you've revealed yourself to me in the Word and I've spent time speaking with you. Uh, It means waiting for the Lord to do the good and wonderful things He wants to do in our lives in His timing. It means listening to what the Lord is saying to us today and talking with Him, not holding back and not pretending in our relationship with Christ. It's not always easy, but it is always doable. That is the promise of God. It is within our reach to accomplish these things. And so today I invite you to spend your thoughts in communion with God, remembering the connection that you have to heaven moment by moment. God is not far 
He's not separated from you. He is with you. And our lives are not too big for him to handle. He knows exactly what's going on with us. In fact, he already has a master plan to transform our lives into something eternal. And so God wants to spare us the consequences of anxious living. And he wants you to know more of who he is and what he's done and what he still wants to do in your life. And so that is our God. And now it's our choice.